I didn't think David and Goliath would make it in, but boy, David and Goliath made it in. And so today we're going to look at an iconic story. I promise you, if you'll stay on task with me, the Lord is going to bring you some new things. I'm a seminary student, and the Lord gave me a different revelation on this at the end. I'm excited to share it with you. Amen, amen, and amen. All right. Welcome this morning to our third week in Defeating the Giants. Look at your neighbor and say, Defeating Defeating the Giants. The title for today is, Whose Report Will You Believe? In the early days of the church, Michael and Cook and Michael Brown and others will remember, Whose Report Will You Believe? Yeah, and... uh, I happen to be the main worship leader, and boy, I exhausted every part of me on that song. We would shake the rafters, um, but uh, it's such a great song. Will we believe the report of the Lord, or uh, will we believe everything else that we see? Whose report will you believe, intimidated or empowered? Which one will you be, intimidated or empowered? Reading from a familiar passage in 1 Samuel 17, now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sokol which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Ezekiah in Ephs-Daman. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Allah and drew in the battle array against the Philistines. Some drama happens in between that that we'll check back in, but someone steps in, and his name is David. Everyone say David. David represents someone you may have never known he represents, which I hope to paint that picture for you. David came in. We'll get how he got there in just a minute. But David said to the Philistines, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Sometimes when giants are speaking against us or problems, we take it so personal. Always take it back. They're defying your God that you belong to. Can I get an amen? He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly, someone say the assembly. Someone say my friends, my church. My family shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Can you say amen? Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Come, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Speak to my friends in this room, first of all, my church family. Speak what I don't even say. Lord, communicate in the way that you do best. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, and speak to those listening by podcast. Let your people be changed Lord, let them be provoked and let them be encouraged. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, whose report will you believe? We will believe. You that didn't grow up in the age of dinosaurs, go home and look that song up. uh, And you'll learn it because we used to have a time with that. We might have to bring it back out some fun time. David and Goliath, the iconic story of all time, where the odds seemed insurmountable, defeat seemed inevitable. You ever been there? I have. The opposition was perfectly terrifying in their sheer, relentless power. People of God appeared to be ill-prepared, unsteady, and untested. But in the West, 
We often assign to any situation, you know, you'll hear about ball teams. Man, that was like a David and Goliath, you know. That guy named Small threw a football at the last minute and they won. You know, Tennessee beat Alabama. Okay, well, maybe. Um, David and Goliath, whenever we see this, we ascribe to that. That's a David and Goliath. Many have said about Ukraine and Russia. We'll see. We'll see that it is a David and a Goliath. But it's whenever a small team um, overcomes insurmountable, insurmountable odds. But what the writer, the Hebrews writer does in this story, he prolongs the story of the battle. He brings all their quotes. You are meant to fixate on this story. If you ever go into theater page, the theater lights will zoom in on the main person they want you to pay attention to. And the Hebrews writer in the book of 1 Samuel, Josh, highlights this, slows it down. But if we only get the metaphor of the little against the big, we overlook the real heart and theme of this story. We want to obsess not on the equipment, but on what God is saying and apply it to our life. The Philistines were gathered. They were neighbors to the west. That was the Mediterranean coast. They were sensual in their war, meaning they used prostitution in their worship. And they gave babies to God in fire, their own children. They were also aggressive in their military advancement. Their hallmark of their culture was cruelty. Someone say cruelty. And where they encamped is important. And where your giant presses against you is important. In the book of Jeremiah, it says, Don't be afraid of a scarecrow in an empty field. For the Lord your God is God. What does that mean, Pastor Rhonda? You see, farmers put scarecrows in the fertile field to keep the birds from eating their seed. The, the scarecrows aren't real, but they're to keep the birds away. But often... The enemy looks to the places in our life that we're going to be powerful, we're going to succeed, we're going to have a victory, and he tries to put a scarecrow in that field and make us afraid to go forward. But our God is a consuming fire, and he can consume man-made scarecrows all the time. Someone praise him in this house. This is not just a simple face-off. This is an invasion. They have invaded their land. They've come to take over. They've come to keep Israel from moving forward. They want to take what God had given them, what God said was theirs. Just like Jesus said in John 10 and 10, the enemy is a thief and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what your giant does. This morning I pray the Spirit of the Lord would bring a giant in your life. There may be several. And here they are. And the Philistines are on one mountain. Israel's on the other. This is important for the ending. Get this in your mind because it's powerful. Philistines on one mountain and uh, Israel on the other. And there's a valley of Allah in between them. God had said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the world. I want to tell you today, God wants to bless your paycheck so you can bless others. God wants to bless your home so you can bless others. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. You see, the world doesn't know what you and I have. 
they can't figure it out when we carry on in the worst of times. Come on, somebody. When we stay faithful when it's tough, when we worship when our heart is breaking, it's not unusual to see someone that just got a million-dollar check. Please tithe on that, my brothers and sisters. Get a million-dollar check to be up here worshiping. That's no mystery. That's obvious. What's beautiful is when I know the heartbreak of some people and they're still lifting their hand. They said, this is all I got, God, but I'm going to give it to you. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill so your light can shine. And you're going to get up tomorrow morning and you're going to say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And then you encounter people in the workplace. You said, I'm taking this light back into my office and shutting the doors come on somebody it's true and you see but he wants us to extend the name of God to the nations he wanted Israel to know their confidence was planted in them when God said I'm going to bless you this is yours as Jesus blessed us at Calvary this is the cool thing Goliath's name I'll tell you in money what it means but they call him champion everyone say champion only time this word is used in scripture and it means the man in between everyone say the man in between see he interposes himself before the enemy he's tall he's nine feet tall just a little trivia for those that care the tallest living man on the planet this time is a part-time farmer Soton Kosen come on somebody he's eight foot one he would have grown taller but they took his pituitary gland out so he would stop growing someone say bless the Lord bless the Lord the old the tallest man in all the world lived in America Robert Woodlow and he was eight foot 11 inches I'm foot five foot two can you even imagine come on I don't would he reach the ceiling Pastor Todd Maybe almost. Come on, someone say big. And why are all these details going on? They're describing this great armor of Goliath because the Hebrew writer wants you to get, that's what your giant looks like you. And if I could figure out something technology, and it was like one in the morning when this one came to me so I couldn't text Austin. But it's like Israel was going with the first edition of Windows and Goliath had like an apple on the top. Come on, somebody. You know, uh, Israel was still working with the, you've got mail. Remember when you used to check into AOL? <laughs> You had to wait, go do three loads of clothes, come back in, paint your house, and maybe it would download. Somebody give God a hand for smart people that sped up the technology. But these details, when you, you don't read it in the Hebrews. I mean, in Genesis, it does not say, the Hebrews writer don't say, as Adam crested the hill, wind swept through his blonde hair. You know, they don't give that description. But someone say, in this story, the Bible is not sparse in its language. They want to draw you into the fear of those facing giants. Goliath's name means to strip, to strip, to strip something down, to take your courage, to cause you to back up, to be intimidated. You see, Goliath's power was not a physical power, but one of intimidation. Have you ever been intimidated before? When intimidation hits, sometimes you forget how to enunciate your words. Come on, somebody. When intimidation hits, you forget how to pray. For 40 days, someone say 40 days. And my creative mind has to see it this way. Here's the Israelites. For 40 days, they, they eat their Wheaties in the morning. You know, they say their prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Let's go beat Goliath. And they all march out, and then they see him, and they all run back into the tent. Come on. And before we stone them for that, how many times do you and I live there? 
We think, I just, boy, we sang the name of Jesus. We declared the name of Jesus. I'm going to go out and kick somebody's tail. Come on, you know, I'm going to go do this. I mean the enemy's tail, not a person. Look at your neighbor and say, not a person. You know, sometimes when we're in a lit place together, we find great strength. We used to sing, um, oh, Lord, so many songs we used to sing. When I led worship, um, something about, I don't know, making war in the heavenlies. I mean, we would just declare, and then people would go home and just cry because the coat on the end of their bed looked like a demon. Come on, somebody. And they'd have to call their mama in because it's easy. Some must say easy to be courageous in a big number. It's easy. Just had my coffee and my Jesus on Monday morning. I'm ready to go. I don't drink coffee. I drink tea. But I'm ready to go do what God's called me to do. But then that personal situation confronts me, usually within me, and it's me, myself, and I. And I become like scarlet. I'm gone with the wind. I'm not going to cuss here. But I'm going to say, frankly, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Can I get an amen? A minister equates with me. You love this, Sherry. He said he was in high school playing football. I just thought it was the funniest little story. And uh, they were just outweighed. The linebacker, linebackers, the, those people, the fullbacks, the quarterbacks, they were just so big. And this team was, you know, kind of like my size. And they were out there, and it was going into the third quarter, and it was getting rough. And the quarterback was trying to give them that speech. You know that speech. We can do this, you know. We, 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 and one of, the, one of the guys on the team, I think it was a linebacker, he just said right in the middle of the speech, I just want to go home and eat mama's fried chicken. <laughs> he, he said the morale immediately went down. That is so me. My mama is not here, but dear God, the times I want to go home, Mama Joyce, and eat her fried chicken. And just walk out of the battle and say, I don't need a speech. I don't need anything. What I need right now is to just go home. The voice of the intimidator shouts to us. Isaiah 51, bow down that I can walk on you like a road. Bow down. Our posture changes. Our thoughts get confused. We forget that God said my power is available to you. We forget that God said I have given you all power. Someone say all power fear deafens us we turn up fear louder and intimidation that's all we hear and we keep backing up we run back to the tent of apathy back to the tent of intimidation back to the tent of insecurity but I'm going to tell you something back to the tent of grief back to the tent of anger back to the tent God told someone not to resign this morning I don't know what that's about back to the tent of resignation I'm going to tell you though no matter how many times you run back to the tent at the end of this message you will learn you have an advocate you have a a mediator and he will go pull yourself out of the tent each and every time somebody give Jesus a praise in this house what made David different I believe it was who he identified with sometime later this year I'm gonna do a series on callings but I would love to teach it this morning I can't but David's brothers when Samuel showed up at the house said God told me to anoint the king and seven brothers came in God kept saying, no, he kept wanting to give it to Eliab because he was a tall dude, very tall, very tall. God, God said to Samuel, don't look on the outward appearance. Don't you love a God who does not look on the outward appearance but looks on the heart? I'm going to tell you something. When my children were dating people and I'd say, I don't care what they look like. You can fix ugly, but you can't fix an ugly heart. Come on. 
you know it, we find someone that loves Jesus. And fortunately, my son in love and my first son in love were both beautiful men. Thank you, Lord. And my next one will be as well. When Christine gets married, someone say amen. When she's 45, 45, 45. David's brother saw a shepherd, but God saw a king. Let God define you. David let God define him. To take Goliath down, we have to pick up our stone of our identity in Christ. And who he says we are, Romans 8 and 17 says we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. You know, we can live like paupers, we can live like beneath, or we can say, I know who I am in God. I know who I am in Christ, regardless of what I see or feel, I know. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us, someone say adopt us, into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ in 1996 to 97 there was a man in this church who went with Pastor Scott Thomas dear who's still like family and one of my chief uh, advisors um, went with him to Europe and in the country of Romania this man of God who and his wife at that time they could not have children saw the orphanage saw the little children his heart was so moved and tore up he came home told his wife at that time about it he just said we've got to take one of these children he'd seen another one but they got involved with it's a small world and it's a small world is an or a, a uh, organization that works in Romania and they sent them a picture of a little boy named John Christmas and this is a little picture of John Christmas what's the other one before that that kind of gives you away who that's about that's okay do, 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 can you go back to the other one everybody give Austin a hand for working with Pastor Rhonda there we go good thank you Austin um, there he was. I want you to see this picture because I have a whole message on him. I can't preach this morning. But this little boy, John Christmas, when they brought him in, it was my brother. And I'm going to go to that next picture. So that was my brother you just saw. But the Lord told my brother, name him. And we didn't know how imperative this would be till later in my brother's life. Name him Josiah because it means God heals. And I'm going to heal you, Brian, of so many of your hurts. And um, so they named him Josiah. He was born John Christmas, the fourth child of a gypsy who could not take care of him. I praise God for anyone that's ever put a child up for adoption. I praise the Lord. I don't scorn them. I rejoice with them. Can I get a, because there may be someone in this room that's done that. But I loved it. But when we picked him up from the airport, little John Christmas, we find out later, would be named Josiah Bryan. He just kept doing this because in the orphanage, they couldn't rock them. And so the babies had learned to rock themselves. And he was development, way behind in his development, way behind. And sitting in that bus or that van, my family and them, Courtney and us and them and my parents, they showed us a video. And I'm saying this, they showed us a video of them walking out of the orphanage in Romania. They'd go back day and night, day and night to see little John Christmas. Wanted him. They'd brush his hair. They'd bathe him. They'd work with him. But then they just kept waiting and waiting to the time they could make him their own. Jesus watched you on your darkest day and he said I can't wait till I can make them mine. Jesus watched you on the time you were in that trial, on that detour and he said I can't wait to make them mine. Someone say hallelujah. And on that video Courtney, you remember, all you can see when they get the final release Pastor Connie to leave the orphanage all you see is the back of their head and the person from small world chasing them and I said why were you running and they both in tears said 
said, because we couldn't wait to make him ours. Come on. We just knew. That's what he looked like after four months in my brother's house, sitting up and being blessed to be a Giles. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you something before we go into another picture, but I'm going to keep moving in this story. David remembered the moment that God chose him. You may not remember the moment that you walked the aisle. You may not remember the moment that you think you made things right with God. But I'm going to tell you today, heaven has a video, a DVD, a, a molecular heavenly encounter on that they can show you. And they will show you someday when God said, I'm done with this. I'm snatching. John 15 and 6 says, you did not choose me. I chose you and I appointed you that you would bear fruit and on that video on that DVD on that heavenly encounter you're going to see one day when God said I've got them the Bible says and angels rejoice over one you would think Pastor Todd they'd wait till there's like 10 or 15 or 25 I mean we may not rejoice over one what's a one heaven rejoices when one soul comes home and I'm going to tell you heaven rejoices when God said over you that's my daughter that's my son I'm snatching them out of the hands of Satan out of the hand of hell hell you lost another one somebody give Jesus praise that chosen means I'm out is ek in the uh, Greek lego is I say it means call out I say we get intimidated when someone says, I say, but when God says it, it means that he has chosen us, he has adopted us, he's accepted us, he has redeemed us, and I'm going to tell you something, you can flip over to one of those other pictures of when he's a, a young adult. Josiah never said to all of us, take me back to Romania. He didn't say, I refuse to eat dinner with you guiles. I'm not worthy. I was born to a gypsy. I couldn't even rock myself. I need to go back and live like a pauper in the orphanage no in fact he is in my dad's last will and testament from the orphanage in Romania to everything that belongs to Cecil Giles should everyone else precede him that's what Jesus did at Calvary he put you in his last will and testament and he died for it and he said everything that is mine healing salvation deliverance it is yours hallelujah Hallelujah, the champion has come. So David remembered why Israel shook. Size doesn't matter, back to our story. God told Samuel, don't look at the size. And God is saying through this story, don't look at the size. God can win by many or few. Someone say by many or few. What we get here is the first thing of representative combat. It means send a man. They were, it, Goliath was schooling Israel, and we're being schooled on this concept because it matters about you. Representative combat. Send a man to stand in between the two mountains in the valley and let him represent us. What he says is, Goliath said, if we win, most of you know this story. I couldn't read the whole thing. I encourage you to read it when you get home. If he wins, you will all share in his victory. Someone say share in his victory. If he loses, you all lose. Send out a hero who will stand before you and me. Send out 
a champion. And I'm telling you, Israel cowered in their fear. They ran back into their tent. They were imposed. They forgot. But the Bible says, verse 12, a man named David, a son of an Ephrodite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem. Someone say yay for Bethlehem. There was another David born in the city of Bethlehem. There was another champion who stood in the middle between the Goliath of shame and sin and all of humanity and his name is Jesus. Someone give him a hand clap of praise in this room. But here's the deal. You know the story. He was merely sent to bring cheese to his brothers. He was Uber driver. I mean, he was the first one on a camel. Happy trails to you. And his daddy said, you're not big enough to go fight. You don't look like a warrior, so you're going to be a courier. Go in there and take some gouda, some goat, some cheddar, some American. Tell it, come back and tell me how your brothers are. I'm going to tell you something. God often comes in looking lowly and humble. God comes in doing something so amazing. Don't let your insecurity or your inadequacy and don't judge others in the same vein. Some of the greatest people that have been used in my life I would have dismissed because of who they were or what they were. But Jesus says to you and I, let me come here and do what I've been called to do. Can you give Jesus a hallelujah or a shout of praise? I love this, Michael. He said, he left his sheep with the keeper, and he left his things with the keeper. Got on his camel, took the cheese in. Just ordinary. I'm going to tell you, don't ever overlook the ordinary things that God asks you to serve. You don't know what God is doing in the midst of that. He had no idea his name would be synonymous with giant killers. The serving that you do in your workplace, the things that you do for the kingdom, don't despise them. It's in those things that God finds great success. But he turned them over to the keeper. Someone say to the keeper. He had to loosen his load to go into his destiny. I felt the Spirit of the Lord saying to me as I wrote this, maybe saying it to me too probably, because he speaks to me the most when I'm writing a sermon. It just comes. He said, to go forth in our destiny, there are many in this room, you've got to loosen your load. You've got to let go of some things so you can go towards some things. You've got to loosen the load that the enemies put on you. It's not meant to put on you. When I took, when I was anointed to take this church over, I'm co-pastor, but then pastor, my elder said, you are now graced with an anointing of ease. Sometimes I've doubted that, Michael, but you are now graced with ease. When you go to write, it's going to pour like someone's pushing your pen. When you go to do this, because God did not call you here to be frustrated. And I want to say to you, whatever God calls you to, He will equip you. He will empower you. He will strengthen you. Don't ever say, I'm just an ordinary errand boy, errand girl. Say to the King of glory, send me on a camel if you must, but I know you've got greatness in this moment come on somebody so the turning point found in verse 23 they, he came and spoke those same words but this time someone say David heard them say David heard them and the cool thing about this Bailey is if you were Hollywood director I've watched too many edits of movies and you were go in this moment here's Goliath I'm gonna feed you to the carcasses I mean it was not only his his uh, appearance but the sound of his voice most Hebrews writers say was like thunder and that's what it feels when you're being intimidated doesn't it 
It's so hard to hear anything on top of it. But if they were filming this because he's screaming, all of a sudden David said, say, what? What did he just say? I mean, he's just delivering cheese. Here, here's your Gouda. Here's your goat. Here's your cheddar. How you doing, Eliab? I don't like you. Um, here is your, there's a reason for that. Here is your American, your monster. You order monster. Daddy wants to know y'all okay. And all of a sudden he hears this giant. What? What? When he turned, if Hollywood was doing this, they would have gone from a wide shot, Chris Vernon, to zooming in on David. And everybody's like, what is he doing? What he's doing is he's saying, what did that man say? What he caught that other people didn't catch, he was defying God. He was coming against. David had never heard anybody defy God. The theological lens came on for David. He remembered he was a child of the Almighty God. The Israelites at this moment are like, just take us back to the orphanage. Just take us back to the orphanage. Just take us back. We're not worthy to be here. We're so afraid. His brother Eliab mocked him and said, what are you doing here? You left your few sheep. I'm going to tell you when I started the ministry, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I've said it on international television. I've said it to one. I've said it when no one's listening. It's okay. It's all good. But I want to tell you when I started ministry, I'd get around people and honestly, they would talk about their exploits and I would go in the room and cry come on somebody I mean they were saving a million and I'm thinking how could they even impact me and their church runs 20 you know what I mean they were doing this or that don't let what others say God is doing and rejoice in them but don't let it discourage you what God is doing in your life is ordinary I mean it's extraordinary someone say extraordinary it's special but you'll begin to hear what someone said uh, like uh, a lot of my pastor friends say oh we just avoid Easter social media because it's like we had a trillion people 4,000 ascended into the ceiling, 7,000 flew in the west window. I mean, like, oh. I mean, these are people that pastor really big churches. We didn't want to see it because we should be stronger than that. But all that we can think is we were just so happy one soul got saved. And now we feel little and we feel small. Don't let anybody make you feel small about what you do for the kingdom. It is holy. Come on, somebody. It is awesome. It is incredible. But I love what David did. He turned away. Someone say he turned away. Listen, this is a pastoral mama's heart coming at you right now, right here, right this moment. Be careful what you spend your energy on. If he had spent all of his energy trying to talk Eliab, his brother, that he's really here, I think God sent me here to beat this giant. Don't you know who I am, Eliab? Don't you know I was anointed king? Eliab, Eliab, why are you looking at me that? Eliab, it was his oldest brother. Be careful that you don't choose battles you were never chose to fight. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. Shut it down. Social media, shut it down in life. Most of the time we spend too much of our brain space thinking what we're going to say to somebody that's against us or doesn't believe in us or is not for us, and we spend all this energy. Sometimes the Holy Spirit said, you could have just written a book, sister. You could have just done this. You could have just done that. But you've used all your energy. My elders told me when, when I came to be the lead pastor, be careful what you spend your energy on. Don't let the enemy drain you. I'm going to tell you today, turn away and turn toward the thing you're supposed to take out for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Somebody praise him. Come on. And David turned away. and Come help me, Josh. I'm not quite done, but if you'll set that atmosphere for me. David said, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, O Israel, for the sake of what's happening. When you're up against a giant, whatever that giant is in your life, I can name a thousand. I may name a few in a moment because I've still got a good 12 minutes to preach. 
But we remember the Lord is my light and my salvation of whom shall I be afraid. The Lord is the strength of my life. We remember, have I not commanded you, Joshua 1 and 9, be strong, be courageous, do not be frightened. The Lord is with you wherever you go. We remember John 16, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world and deprived it of its power to harm you. You see, in those moments, we've got to remember what God has called us to do. We don't need to lose heart. When you're up against a giant, I've been up against things in my life and I thought, there's no way I can get around this. I don't, have you ever, I mean, we come in here and we sing, I know how this story ends. I'm going to see you. Then we go home with, I don't know how this story ends. Come on. Is it not true? This thing in my life, I mean, we want to keep proclaiming these things. There's power in our words. But then we just think, I can't see how this is going to turn around. I can't see how this is going to change. But in that moment, we've got to remember in that very moment, The Lord who has called us will equip us and that he has the final word. Look at your name and say, he has the final word. So David steps up and you got to love him. He goes, hey, 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 King Saul, King Saul, I've been hanging out with sheep. Oh, that's a great start. So you've been hanging out with soft and furry animals. We're going to send you straight up to the giant. That's kind of like being on the sidelines of an NFL game and running up in the middle of a Super Bowl or whatever. That's not the NFL. That's the other people, whatever. Run up there and say, Coach, Coach, put me in. I've been baking muffins all day. Come on. (laughs) But you know what's funny? God takes a muffin maker and turns the world upside down. He takes one who loves soft and furry animals like David. Of course, David had not stopped there. Sometimes people stop us in our first thing and don't let us finish what we were going to say. But what he said is, when I was out there, my trophies I've got represented in my house, I killed the lion and the bear. When they took one of my lambs that I was keeping, I struck them. And, and get a picture right now of where we're going here in a few moments. Took them out of the mouth of the bear or the lion And he said, and that same God, someone say that same God is going to deliver me from the hand of the Philistine, the Lord who gave me the victory. David goes on to say in his own words, I have confidence. Someone say confidence in the present because of God's faithfulness in the past. God who delivered me then will deliver me now. Say it with me. God who delivered me then. God who made a way then. No obstacle is too big for him. So often we face our giants. We forget what we ought to remember, and we remember what we ought to forget. We're just consistently telling people about our defeats and failures, and he did this to me, and she did that to me, and we do our post on social media, hopefully no one at this church. We want to talk about our broken hearts or what I'm talking about going against people. All we want to talk about is the things we've been through when what we should do is, oh, I want to bring you to my trophy room. I want to invite you into several things in my past. You see, Scripture takes up a lot of spaces repeating what God did for His people Israel. In fact, when they'd go to worship, everyone say worship. They did this call and response. We should try it sometime. The Methodists do it. The ecumenical communities do it. It's kind of cool. But they would do this. And what they would say is one would say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And all the people would say, For he is good. We have to have some good singers. And just it went back. This is our call and response. You don't have to be a part. I'll do it for you. 
The call is the goodness of God. The call is I was pushed back and about to fall and we would all respond to you, but the Lord sustained you. The call would be I found myself in a pit of sorrow and of despair and we would respond back and say, but the Lord pulled you out. The call would be I was facing an impossible situation. I saw no way through. And then we would respond to you say, but then God stepped in. Come on, somebody. We would say the enemy came in as a giant against my children, my family. But we would respond, but the Lord, but the Lord came in like a mighty flood lifting up a standard against him. And then we would say, look at you now. Remember what you should remember. Forget what you should forget. And give thanks to the Lord for the battles in your past, the trophies of your overcoming grace somebody praise him in this house come on come on give him a shout of praise hallelujah and you know the story they tried to just passing by it they tried to put Saul's armor on him and it didn't work I'm telling you what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for you Dodie Osteen got healed standing on the Bible other rare stories do you hear like that some people got healed from laying down. Some got healed from standing up. Some got healed of fasting. Some got healed of resting. God provides unique techniques for unique people. Listen, armor is different. Don't try to wear what someone else wears. When I first started preaching 28 years ago, one of my elders, Pastor Billy, told me there was a person that started their, their household name even to this day. And he called me one day and he goes, don't do it. And I said, excuse me, sir. Don't do it. He can be, he's a prophet, so he can be a little bit razor edge, but always kindness. He said, don't pick up, and he named this person's name, because she was known for cliches. I'm not going to say what they are. That may identify her. And I said, sir, I have, no, I have no desire. He goes, but it could happen to you. He goes, if you pick up her cliches, you're just picking up her leftovers, and there'll be nothing left for you. But if you become a voice crying in the wilderness, you'll be known for who you are. Don't see someone else and think, I'm going to try to speak like them, be like them, give like them, dance like them, run the media like them. Be you. Be you. David said, I've not tested this armor. I'm going to tell you something about you. A hero doesn't always look like a hero. He looked like an Uber driver bringing cheese in. But what he knew, I've tested my sling. I've tested my my shepherd staff. I'm going to tell you today, you have tested your own compassion. You have tested your own courage. You have tested your own ability. You have tested your own skill. Wear the armor that God gave you. Heaven recognizes you by the clothing heaven gave you. If you start dressing in the spirit like someone else, heaven won't even recognize you. Heaven gave you the best. Someone give God a big shout of praise. Come on in this house. I love it. And Goliath says to him, you insult me. All he saw was the stick. Goliath was so big, he didn't see the stone. But the stick was a shepherd's staff. David had tested it. You see, this is what happens sometimes. And uh, Goliath says, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick, you little errand boy? That's what the flesh often says to us, the enemy. Sometimes the flesh we sing, I speak the name of Jesus, I've made fun, but I want you to see how sincere I am about this. And the enemy says, I've heard you sing that before. You'll be back in depression by tomorrow at 2 o'clock, I'll time you. 
you say, yeah, but one day it's going to stick, devil. One day this thing is going to stick. You're trying to deal with your anger, so you began to praise the Lord, and the enemy says, oh, I've seen that before too. Three days somebody's going to get in your nerves, and you're just going to go all out postal. Well, it may not have worked last time, but you probably forgot that Jehoshaphat led Judah first, and they just praised God, and God annihilated their enemies. So I'm going to keep praising until God annihilates my enemies. You take a kneel down to pray, and the enemy says, oh, I've seen that before too. What do you think, I'm a dead dog? Oh, what you don't know is when I don't know what to do, my eyes are on him. And you probably forgot that it's the universal thing, that if you stand before the God of the universe, he's going to move things around. You give an act of unselfish. You call upon the name of the Lord, and your enemy says, what do you think I am, just a dog? But I want to tell you something, what Goliath did not realize. Someone say, what Goliath did not realize. It is not me who does, who does give me a moment. It is not me who does not understand what you have. Oh, no, I know what you got, Goliath of anger. I know what you like, Goliath of fear, separation. I could just go on. Do you fill in your own blank? It's not me who does not know what you have. I see it clearly. You've been tormented. I see it clearly what you say to me. I know what you have. But let me pause to say to you, it is you that do not understand what I have. I serve the Lord of the angel armies, Lord Sabaoth, the God of uh, the army of Israel who you have defied. And this day, all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, but the battle is the Lord. And I come in the name, someone say the name, the name of the Lord. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and stand. You can go ahead and stand. Hallelujah. All over this building. Now just give Jesus a praise break just for a moment. Come on. Hallelujah. Just stay here if you're able to stand. Great. I love it, uh, Lisa Cook, when he says this entire assembly is going to know in a moment. I love that because when you get a victory, it gives this whole church a victory. When you get a victory, it gives your whole family a victory. When you get a victory, it gives your community a victory. It strengthens us. The arena of God's world is Ephesians 3 and 10 to the intent that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers and dark places. It's in that point that God says, I will show your family. I will show your friends. Stop trying to sit at tables you weren't invited to and ask the Lord to use you where he's put you. Come on, somebody. For the battle is the Lord's. Seven times, David says, the Lord will fight. Seven times. Goliath was looking at the stick, but he forgot to look at the stone. You see, this is what's so awesome. And the Bible says, Perry and I were discussing Goliath and David last week, because we're going to do it last week, but the Lord just said, no, late hour, pull it out, wait. And um, we were talking about that, that the, the, the veracity of the velocity, I guess you say, the speed of the stone was 100 miles per hour. And the reason he ran is because giant's blood, the way they did, he knew he had to cut his head off before he came back up. Because he wanted to cut the voice off. I'm going to encourage you this week. Cut the voice off of your giant. Turn up the volume of God's word. Turn up what God says about you. But I love this. He didn't win just in spite of being small. He won because he was small. I love it that he went and cut the head off. 
He, and he didn't have a sword. He ran with the stone, with what he was comfortable with. And he ran to him, but he grabbed the sword. And when he cut the head off, he took the sword with him. I love it that the very instrument that's been used in your life and my life, by our giants, by our Goliath, the Lord says, what was intended to mean you evil. I, the Lord, will use it not only against your adversary, but it will be a trophy on the display of God's great glory and good and others will see and they will be encouraged and they will give thanks to the Lord for he is good hallelujah so let's end right here I told you the beginning we'd go somewhere in the very end and here we are Philistines ran and Israel overcame them you know your courage is contagious your courage is contagious it doesn't mean you have to be this fearless crazy person no one's fearless I go forward in the midst of great fear in everything I do. I cry and whine around to the Lord in my secret place. I just say I'm afraid. And the Lord says, take my courage. One of my favorite things about Jesus, and give me just three minutes to finish this, but even heading to Jerusalem, he says something that I've often just hear him say in my mind. They said, Herod is coming after you. And he said, you tell that fox I'm headed straight for him. Now, what Jesus was saying is, I know he's coming after me to crucify me, but tell him I'm coming head on into the battle. Woo! I'm telling you, I say to Jesus often, Pastor Connie, grant me your courage, Jesus. Grant me your courage. Grant me that kind of courage that says to fox and giants, I'm coming straight into battle. You might have missed my little crime session last night, but this morning I'm armed and ready to go. How many want to run full speed in the power of Jesus? Hallelujah. So here it is. God sends a substitute. Bailey, he doesn't send a cheerleader. That's why that little pitch team, you know, the little boy wanted to go home and eat his fried chicken in the tent. That's what y'all are going to remember about this sermon. Um, sometimes a cheerleader won't do. What I need is a substitute. David became the substitute. He became, you see, champion, the word means man in between. What David said, I will step out and I will fight for you and I will do what you cannot do. And my victory will come for you. We don't need a cheerleader. What we needed was Jesus Christ, the champion, with sin and the fallen world on one side and humanity on the other. And sin by the heads of Lucifer, the fallen angel and all his dark hordes and all darkness is yelling at humanity, we will take you down. We will destroy you. You will never get past this fall. You'll never get past this. And all of a sudden, as humanity is shaking in their boots, there was one man sent by heaven. He didn't look like what a hero should look like. He came lowly to a manger. He stepped out of Nazareth. But when he saw what humanity was going on, he clothed himself with humanity. He looked weak because he didn't come like a soldier. He looked small because he didn't kill people. He healed people. He was not what they thought. But it was Jesus Christ who said when they came for him in the garden, 
garden, he looked and he said to the soldiers, the God of this world is now judged. What he was saying is, the champion has come. The moment that eternity has waited for, the David, the king of kings from the lineage of David has stepped into the middle of the world and he went to Calvary armed with flesh and he destroyed darkness and forevermore you belong to the king of glory, the king, your hero. Somebody give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. 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 Our king has emerged victorious. Jesus, for every giant, just lift your hand to him. For every giant in this room, Jesus. Christos King Jesus, thank you for stepping between us and darkness. Thank you not saving with a stone, but saving with your own flesh and your own body that was broken for us. Thank you for being the champion has come. Lord, help us this morning as the word has gone forth to receive from you what we need. Lord, we don't need a cheerleader. We don't need someone to run in. We just need to realize who we are in you. We are no longer John Christmas in a Romanian orphanage. We are children of the Most High God. You have empowered us. Our stone that we throw against our Goliath is who we are to you, children of God. Abba, my mother is with you. My husband is with you. Someday soon my father will be with you. But you are my eternal father. And father, I say this in the presence of my brothers and sisters that they would realize too. When we don't belong to anyone, we belong to you. That you are fighting for us. That the battle does belong to you. It is not on us, Lord. And every time we run back into the tent shaking, trying to build ourselves back up, you send the merciful Holy Spirit to sing songs in the night to awaken us. That we don't have to be that David. We just have to walk in the victory of the champion, Jesus Christ. We've just got to remember we are no longer orphans. We are royal children. Forgive us for living like paupers. Forgive us for letting ourselves be intimidated and accepting less than. Today we want everything your son Jesus, the champion, has given us. So, Lord, to every giant in this room, God, I pray for courage for my brothers and sisters. I pray for wisdom and divine strategies. I pray you would show them, Lord, for the giants in their children's lives and the giants in their co-workers' lives and the giants in their husbands' or wives' lives, for the giants in their family's life or their community, for the giants professionally, the giants emotionally, the giants physically. We come in the name of the Lord. And this day we receive courage Lord and we receive boldness help us to walk it out God don't let us leave and forget it but when we shrink back push us back forward because we are children of the living God whose report shall we believe we shall believe the report of the Lord somebody give him praise one more time hallelujah 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 Hallelujah. We're not going to live intimidated, but empowered. I've used humor this morning. I've used some language and some poetry, some images that hopefully will stick to you. And I pray they will. Be strong in the Lord. 
be strong by yourself. Be strong in the Lord. Stand. You are children of God. Holy children. John Christmas is not your name anymore. You're children of God. And his name became Josiah Brangiles. And your life has been changed by the blood and the adoption of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. May you not cower down, children of God. Walk in who he's called you to be. You are a giant, Kelly. I love you. The Lord bless you and keep you.